0: Welcome in, everybody, to Spooky Hours Podcast. I'm your host, William. Um, Spooky Hours Podcast is a podcast primarily based off of and tell... Well, based on ghost stories and haunted locations everywhere around the world. Um, as I said, I'm your host, William. Uh, we Today, we are going to be doing the legend of La Llorona. Um, if you didn't know, La Llorona is um, part of Hispanic culture, and it talks, and it, yeah, we'll get into it here in a minute. Um, if you're new, like I said, if you're new here, welcome and thank you for l- deciding to listen to this podcast. Um, if you're returning... Um, welcome back. Um, but yeah, so let's get into it. So, like I said, today's episode is La Llorona, aka the Weeping Woman of the Southwest, which honestly, it's takes place many places around the world with Latin, in Latin culture, so. So, let's get into it. The Legend of La Llorona. Spanish, for the weeping woman, has been a part of Hispanic culture in the Southwest since the days of Conquistadors. The tall, thin spirit, said to be blessed with natural beauty and long flowing black hair. Wearing a white gown, she roams the rivers and creeks, wailing into the night, and searching for her children to drag, screaming. Dragged screaming to a watery grave. No one really knows when the legend of La Llorona Llorona began, or from where it originated, though the tales vary from source to source. The one common thread is that she is the spirit of a doomed mother who drowned her children and now spends eternity searching for them in rivers and lakes. La Yarona, christened Maria, was born to a peasant family in a humble village. Her startling beauty captured the attention of both the rich and the poor men of the area. She was said to have spent her days in her humble peasant surroundings, but in the evenings she would don her best white gown. And thrilled the men who admired her at the local Fandangos. The young men anxiously waited for her arrival and she revealed reveled in the attention that she received. However, La Yarona had two small sons who made it difficult for her to spend her evenings out and often she left them alone while she um, cavorted with the gentleman during the evenings one day the two small boys were found drowned in the river some say they drowned through her neglect but others say they may have died by her own hand another legend says that la llorona was a caring woman full of life and love who married a wealthy man who lavished her with gifts and attentions However, after she bore and two sons, he began to change, returning to a life of womanizing and alcohol. Often leaving her for months at a time, he, seeming, he seemingly no longer cared for the beautiful Maria, even talking about leaving her to marry a woman of his own wealthy class. When he did return home, it was only to visit his children and the devastated Maria began to feel resentment towards the boys. One evening, as Maria was strolling with her two children on a shady pathway near the river, her husband came by in a carriage with an elegant lady beside him. He stopped and spoke to his children, but ignored Maria, and then drove the carriage down the road without looking back. After seeing this, Maria went into a terrible rage and turning against her children she seized them and threw them into the river as they disappeared downstream she realized what she had done and ran down the bank to save them but it was too late Maria broke down into inconsolable grief running down the streets screaming and wailing the beautiful La Llorona mourned them day and night during this time, she would not eat and walked along the river in her white gown searching for her boys, hoping they would come back to her. She she cried endlessly as she roamed the riverbanks and her gown became soiled and torn. When she continued to refuse to eat, she grew thinner and appeared taller until she looked like a walking skeleton. Still a young woman, she finally died on the banks of the river. Not long after her death, her restless spirit began to appear walking the banks of the Santa Fe River. When darkness fell, her weeping and wailing became a curse of the night, and people began to be afraid to go out after dark. She was said to have been seen drifting between the trees along the shoreline or floating on the current with her long white gown spread out upon the waters. On many a dark night, people would see her walking along the riverbank crying for her children. And so they no longer spoke of her as Maria, but rather La Llorona, the weeping woman. Children are warned not to go out in the dark, for La Llorona might snatch them, throwing them in, t- throwing them to their deaths in the following wa- in the flowing waters. Though le- that, though the legends vary, the apparition is said to act without hesitation or mercy. The tales of her cruelty, cruelty depends on the version of the legend you hear. Some say that she kills indiscriminately, taking men, women, and children, whoever is foolish enough to get close enough to her. Others say that she is very barbaric and kills only children, dragging them, screaming, to a watery grave. When Patricio Lugan was a boy, He and his family saw her on a creek between Mora and Guadalupe Guadalupe, New Mexico. As the family was sitting outside talking, they saw a tall woman walking walking along the creek. She then seemed to float over the water, started up the hill, and vanished. However, Just moments later, she reappeared much closer to them and then disappeared again. The family looked for footprints and, finding none, had no doubt that the woman they had seen was La Llorona. She has been seen along many rivers across the entire Southwest, and the legend has become part of Hispanic culture everywhere. Part of the legend is that those who do not treat their families well will see her and she will teach them a lesson another story involved a a man by the name of i'm gonna butcher this and i'm so sorry epifanio garcia who was an outspoken boy who often argued with his mother and his father after a heated argument Stefano, along with his brothers Carlos and Agustin, decided to leave their ranch in Ojo de la Vaca and to head towards the Villa Real de Santa Fe. However, when they were along their way, they were visited by a tall woman wearing a black tapelo a black and a black net over her face two of the boys were riding in the front of the wagon when the spirit appeared on it on the seat between them she was silent and continued to sit until Epifanio, i can't say finally turned the horses around and headed back home at which the same time she said i will visit you again someday when you argue with your mother very interesting. <sighs> in Santa Fe, New Mexico, the tall wailing spirit has been seen repeatedly in the Perea Building, Public Employees Retirement Association. Which is built on land that was once an old Spanish Indian graveyard, and is near the Santa Fe River. Many people who have been employed there tell hearing cries resounding through re, uh, resounding through the halls, and feeling unseen hands pushing them while on the stairways. La Llorona has been. At night, wailing next to the rivers, many by many, and her wanderings have grown wider, following Hispanic people wherever they go. Her movements have been traced throughout the Southwest and as far as Montana on the banks of the Yellowstone River. The Hispanic people believe that the weeping woman. Will always be with them, following the many rivers, looking for Chip, her children, and for this reason, many of them fear the dark and pass the legend from generation to generation. So, that was pretty much the explanation and two different versions of the legend. As you guys know, I always like going into podcast favorite Are No Sleep. I will be doing that. Um, I can't, like, the stories I hope are going to be super, super interesting. Um, and I'm going to be perfectly honest. One of the stories that I did last time The Wendigo one. The one that had three parts to it. And... um, I don't honestly do not think that one was fully true. Because if you guys remember, it went from New York to the UK. So, we don't really know. I don't really know the validity in that story. But... Maybe it was true. Maybe it wasn't. We will never know. Um. But yeah. So I'm going to be getting into that. I'm going to be looking for some stories. So yes. Alrighty. So the first story that we will be reading is by... Uh hold on G fire fluff I hope I said your name right <laughs> Um So this one very simple name It's just La Hirona So let's get into the story When I was in second grade we were told the story of La Hirona there there are variations of the story but what i remember of the basic story that we were told goes like this there was a spanish woman who had an affair with a man they had two children together one day the man came to see her and told her that he was getting married to another woman and that he would not marry her because she had children out of wedlock upset with the man and devastated she took her children down to play by the river. She drowned them then overtaken by grief drowned herself. The story says the story says that she wanders the riverbanks forever after crying forever after crying and searching for her dead children. It is also said that if she finds children by the river late at night she will drown them so they will be with her. The story terrified me when I was younger. There were always tales of a kid who got caught by La Llorona late at night, and escaped from her when the church bells started to ring. When he returned home, he had blood where her fingers grabbed him, and they burn in the shape of her hand. I felt lucky that I didn't live close to the Rio Grande in New Mexico, because I never wanted to run across her. Even though we weren't allowed to play at night, La Girona scared me. As I grew older, it was explained to me that it was a story that was told to children to make them come home at night so they didn't stay out late and, the curt and cause trouble. That is a lie. The story is true. When I was in junior high, we moved to an area just outside of town and right next to an arroyo, a wash or a ditch. The bedroom that I shared with my sister faced the Arroyo, Arroyo, which was normally dry. One summer it rained really hard and the Arroyo started running with with the wa- with the water runoff from the river. We were told as kids not to play in the Arroyos when they were running because they can get very fast and pull a kid under and wash them downstream. That night I went to bed thinking nothing of it just another night just a rainy season just a rapidly running arroyo so arroyos they are pretty pretty like common in new mexico um i live right by one as well and um it that's that that was a somewhat primary way of me getting to like school in the mornings when i had zero hour so it was like it was always an iffy situation but I do remember that um, real quick off this like story this story I'll get right back into it I'm gonna tell a quick little story there was one morning my junior year when I was walking to zero hour and this was about 530 in the morning um and as i'm walking there's a nursing home right by my old school and i looked and i saw this like old lady standing behind the gate at the nursing home and i was just like oh it's a nursing home it's probably common it's like just an old lady and i didn't hear like the door open because there's a chime that goes off whenever one of the doors from the inside open um So I I knew that it... So I was just like, but that's a little weird. So that's a little weird. So I keep walking. I walk about another, like, 10 feet, turn around, and the lady was gone. I was just like, okay. And there was still no chime to indicate that they went back inside or that somebody came out to get them, to bring them back inside. So I keep walking, and then I turn around again. I'm just like... And I heard like footsteps behind me and again this is like october like mid-october and then when i turn around and hear that i turn back and i keep and i walk start walking a little faster and then i hear the leaves like the dried leaves rustling behind me and there was no wind that morning and i was just like okay i have to get to school like right now so um but yeah so let's get back into the story Uh, Rapidly running arroyo I woke up in the middle of the night The moon Was bright and shining through the Blinds At first I couldn't figure out what woke me up Was it the dog barking Yes the dog was barking We had a hound dog And his barks were very distinct But under the dog barking I could hear a woman crying Look out my window There Under the moonlight was a woman. She was wading through the rapidly running water, water that would wash a kid away in seconds, in a second, her white dress streaming behind her, her face covered with widely streaming black hair, and she was crying, wailing, looking for her children. I shut the blinds and retreated to my bed, praying that she wouldn't stray to the too far from the arroyo banks, praying that she wouldn't come for me and my sister to drag us down into the cold, rushing water. My parents never believed me when I told them that I saw her. So... I'm taking it that... This this is from New Mexico. So... This one is actually sounds. This I like. I very really highly enjoy this one. Like a lot because this is close to me. Um. So this is fun. This is this is yeah. Wow. So let's get into the next. Um, so this next story is going to be, uh, don't, it's called, don't look for her, pretend you never saw her, La Llorona, and this one is by AZ Redbird, so let's get into it. All right. Once again, the story is called Don't Look For Her, Pretend You Never Saw Her, La Llorona Growing up in Arizona, you experienced a rich mix of cultures. People come here from the Midwest, some people brave the desert and come from the South, and some people have been here since before this place was a state. Some say this is because Arizona has no real co- culture of her own that we borrow from everywhere else. This state is rich in the paranormal. Many Native American tales tell of demons in the White River, skinwalkers, vampires, tribes of little people who take children in the night, windigos up north, or the always popular Thunderbird. This isn't a story about all that. About all that. This is the... The retelling of my experience With the Lady in Black Growing up I would hear stories from my friends Who are of Mexican background Of La Girona The Lady in Black Or also The Weeping Woman The story is meant to keep children inside after dark And to keep them from sneaking out at night The legend of the lady came north with the people With the people It seems that she came along too. The story goes something like this There was a beautiful lady in old Mexico. She was not from a rich family. Nevertheless, she caught the attention of the son of a Mexican nobleman. They fell in love in secret. They fell in love. In secret, they got married. Not long after that, she became pregnant with twins. Like all ghost stories, this one ends tragically the nobleman's sons were found was found out the father was so enraged that his bloodline was tainted with the blood of a commoner that he tried to force the local bishop to grant a divorce dissolution the marriage to dissolution the marriage mexico was very catholic to, in those days the bishop refused The father eventually seemed to cave in. He allowed her to move into the house. She eventually gave birth to twins. One boy, one girl. A year later, the son of the nobleman... The son of the nobleman was called off to war. He didn't return. The father became... He didn't return. The father became reclusive, hardly talking or eating. He grew to hate the children that would now inherit everything. The commoners marrying into his family, waiting for him to die to take everything. He ordered his men to take the children to the nearest river and drown them, and let their bodies be taken by the current at night, so there would be no proof. The children were taken in the middle of the night without a sound. The mother was kicked out of the house the next day and later accused of killing her children the townsfolk eventually drowned the heartbroken woman she didn't put up a fight she had already died inside days later the nobleman and his men were found dead in his house sightings started happening of a beautiful woman dressed in black roaming the streets at night crying looking for her children if you saw her and you were a child, she would stop crying, grab you, and take you to the river where you would be drowned. I told you that story to tell you this one. I was out running about a month ago, as I often do. I run late at night around 10 or so. I run near the canals that are all over Phoenix. I take my American bulldog with so that no one messes with me. The path I take when I go running is very well lit, and it is right next to the canals and houses it always felt safe until the night I saw her. I was running with my dog as usual, I was listening to my iPod and tracking my mileage. I, start, I started to see something in the distance, about a quarter mile away. It looked like a person under one of the street lamps that light light the path at night. I thought nothing of it at first because I often see people when I was running as I run. As I got closer, I began to notice that this person wasn't moving. It was just a silhouette under the light. The closer I got, the more the silhouette started to take shape. When I was about 50 feet away from it, I stopped. My first thought was that it was a homeless person or this was some sort of prank. My dog started to whimper, then growl, then whimper, then growl again. I had never seen him do that before. I looked at her. I could tell it was a woman. Something about about her deeply unsettled. Then I got the feeling in my stomach that something wasn't quite right and that I needed to get out of there. I couldn't see her face. Her hair was long and black. It was it was a co- it was covering. It. She looked like she was wearing sh- a short black dress, which was odd because it was 60 degrees that night. She was tall, taller than I had first estimated. She was thin and her arms and legs seemed to be tad too long for her body. She was just standing under the streetlight. I took my headphones out because I was going to ask if she was alright. Before I could ask, my ears were filled with with very fast Spanish being spoken in a whisper. It was raspy. The voice filled my head. She raised one long arm at me and extended her index finger. It looked more like a long tree root than a finger. I had enough. I had en- I had had enough. My dog sensed my fear. I took a step back. She took a step forward. I paused for what seemed like a solid minute, but it was probably a few seconds. That's when I started to hear the cry. It started off as a wail, then grew into a full scream. I turned tail and ran as fast. As I could to a main road, when I looked back, she was gone. I ran back to my neighborhood along the main road the entire time I was trying to make sense of what just happened, and whether or not someone was fucking with me was fucking with me. The entire run home, I could feel eyes on me. I entered my neighborhood. the feeling was still there. I was dreading running back to my house because there, there are areas that aren't well lit. I decided to decided to sprint the last 2 miles. As I was doing this, I happened to look down a cul-de-sac that had one light at the end. Yes, she was there. Her silhouette as clear as day. She had not only followed me and kept pace with me, but she had also beaten beaten to my na- beat me to beaten me to my neighborhood. My dog pulled, we made it to my front door. I doorstep, I opened the door, ran in and slammed it. I took a shower, tried to forget, forget about everything. I locked every door in the house and the door to my bedroom. My dog slept at the front at the foot of my bed that night, and I left the TV on. I drifted to sleep around 3 am. The next morning, I woke up and discovered that somehow I had acquired a large scratch that ran down the whole of my bicep. It would eventually scar. A few days after that, I was talking with my neighbor as I often do. I told him about what happened. He said this. I know that was the best advice. I know what that was. The best advice I can give you is to leave her alone. She marked you and will leave leave you alone. She marks the ones she doesn't like and takes the ones she does. He told me something similar had happened to the person who lived down the street from us. It ended up driving him crazy. He said that it all started with a picture his niece drew him. He wouldn't say any more that than that. He kept telling me to leave it be. I called my friend Justin after that. I could I couldn't let this go. How could I? I had been followed by something and was marked. This kind of thing doesn't just happen to people. My buddy Justin's family is Mexican. He also loves this sort of thing. I described what happened and he had, and asked if it was La Llorona, the lady from the story. He told me that it was possible as there were many vengeful spirits like this. He told me the same story I wrote. Out above, except with a few key distinctions. The lady was never pregnant but she was beautiful. She fell in love with a nobleman's son who played with her heart, promising to marry her, but instead married another woman. The woman heart the woman's heart became depressed. She began to see her beauty as a curse. She took a knife and disfigured her face. He told me that no one saw her face from then on. Because what, because she would cover her face with her long black hair. When he told me this, I thought back to my encounter, and my blood turned to ice. The legend finishes that she, she longed for someone to love her heart and not her beauty. This didn't happen, and she eventually drowned herself. She was cursed, though. Now wanderers looking for someone who will love her. and she was cursed though and now wanders looking for someone who will love her she will never be she will never be satisfied her hatred has twisted her some people's some people she appears to as a monster some she appears to as a beautiful woman those she appears to as a beautiful woman will be driven mad with affection for her those are the ones she's chosen to love, to love her. Those are the ones who can see her for her, and don't see her as a monster. I got off lucky, I guess. This should have been the end of it. This should be where the story ends. It doesn't. It became. I became so curious. I went to my neighbors who lived down the street. I had known what became of. The other man who saw her when I knocked an old when I saw her, the man who saw her when I knocked an old woman answered. I told her that this would sound weird, but that I needed her help. I asked her about the man who used to live here. Turns out it was her ex-husband. I cautiously cautiously asked her if she knew anything about a woman in black. She looked at me a funny way and asked me if I had seen her. I told her I had. She gave me the same advice my neighbor had given me. To leave this alone. I told her that that was no longer an option. She sighed and told me to come with her. We went into her attic. She gave me two large boxes. She said that everything I wanted to know was in there. This was apparently all that her ex husband had left in his apartment when he disappeared. She told me to read everything, and that if I still wanted to look for her after that, then I was a fool. This is a long story. Wow. Uh, I took the boxes home and spent a weekend going through everything. There were journals, home movies, drawings, and other things I'm still not sure about. The thing that, uh, that unnerved me the, the most was a drawing that looked like it had been done by a child. It was all black of tall. It was all black of a tall, thin figure with long hair, long arms, and fingers that looked like roots. My stomach turned uneasily. I matched the drawing to one of the first journal entries. 9 17 september seventeenth, two 2004. i can't shake the feeling that i'm being followed i went on a walk again last night to see if i could find her it seems it seems she has found me macy who i found out was his niece drew me a picture today she has been staying with us while my brother and his wife are in denver She handed me the picture and told me that the lady who lives under the stairs told her to draw it and to tell me she wasn't coming back. I have to see her again. This crazy guy seemed to be in love with this woman. He was obsessed with her. I will include a few more entries. Most of the journals are bogus. He kept them, it seems, to document this to show that he wasn't going crazy. Most of it seems to be babbling on about trying to find her. October 5th, 2004 I'm no longer in love with my wife. Lorena as I have come to call her has my heart. I saw her face. She She showed me her face. She's beautiful. I have to be with her. I understand her. She is not a monster, She's a beautiful woman. October 7th, 2004. She visited me in my dream last night. I never wanted to wake up. She spoke to me in a voice sweeter than honeysuckle. I have to decide to leave my wife. He did. December 13th, 2004. The new apartment isn't grand or glorious, but it's ours. She comes to me at night, telling me that we will soon be together. I'm going to start recording our encounters to show everyone I am not crazy. This is love, this is pure, I am happy and she loves me. This is where things get really weird. He started taping himself with a video camera. I watched most of it. I watched most of it. He kept the lights mostly off. He said she likes the darkness better. He only had one or two lights at a time, had on one or two lights at a time. From the looks of his new home, he was living in a cheap apartment. One video in particular was set up in a bathroom. He had grown a beard by this point. In this video, he took out a razor and instead of shaving it, he removed the blade and started cutting his face with it. He took blood from his face and drew a heart on the mirror. He looked over his shoulder into the darkness and said, I love you too. Then the whispering started. The camera cut off. The last tape was weirdest by far. Starts off with him sitting down at his dining table, which was a fold down card table. He had a large smile on his face. That is all the tape showed for three minutes. Is him sitting and smiling in the dark. His eyes seemed to follow something around the room. He nodded occasionally. The light above the table eventually went out. At which point, the camera turned to night vision. He was still smiling. Then a shadow appeared behind him. Long, root-like fingers found their way down his chest until her palm found its place on his shoulder. He closed his eyes, and his smile winded. The last part of this video made my head hurt. My stomach lurch. Myanmar. I heard the voice say, on the video before the camera shut off, they never found his body. That night, I packed up his stuff. The next morning, I returned his things to his ex-wife. I have stopped looking for her. I wonder if she ever thinks about me. Edit one, formatting. Edit two, Miamor. So. Yeah, wow. Huh. Hmm. This was, how long ago was this posted? Six years ago, this was posted in Twenty fifteen. Man. <laughs> um we'll get into that ne- another story here in a second. I'm um, you know. Alrighty, so I do I have a lot more stories to read off today. Um We have one, two, three, four, five... I have five more stories. Um, they're all pretty long, so this might be a decently long episode, which will be nice, because I think, as of right now, the longest episode that we have in, that we have, that I have, is... um I'm not gonna play it it's an hour and nine minutes so this one's already sit looking like it's gonna be the longest episode that I have been recorded that I have recorded yet um so let's get back into it um most of them are like decently long like decently like pretty much the same uh... so i think the next story let's look for one of the shorter ones this one's decently long Um. This one. So, this one is just simply. It's just simply called uh, La Llorona. And it is by. I'm going to butcher this so bad, and I feel bad. I'm. I'm... Yereld? I don't know. And again, this one's just simply called La Llorona. Um, So let's get into it. La Llorona. My mother's family is Hispanic, and we have wonderful family reunions every, every summer. One of these times my cousin made a lovely trivia game that had several questions about my grandmother and her siblings. It was all very fun and I enjoyed learning about my great aunts and uncles but one of the questions struck struck me as odd. When she was young she had a pet chicken that would speak to her. I thought this was a little strange but the game went on. My mother happened to be the one answer the that question so i asked her about it later in the day i asked about the chicken and my mother told me that my great aunt did indeed have a chicken that she would speak to and it would speak to her i laughed a bit about it but i could tell my mom was serious my grandmother was sitting nearby and chimed in she told me that my great aunt had always been very sensitive to certain things My grandmother never doubted that my aunt was talking to the chicken, but she was unsure who was talking to my aunt. At this point, I was very intrigued and had a small case of the heebie-jeebies that then my grandmother told me a story that made my blood run cold in the middle of an outdoor July picnic. She asked me if I knew the legend of La Llorona. It was unfamiliar to me. so. So a tale was told, there, was a, there is a legend of a weeping woman called La Llorona. The legend tells of a beautiful woman named Maria who married the most handsome man and had his children. Her husband lost interest in Maria and would only visit to see his children. One day in a jealous rage, Maria pushed her children in, in the river where they were swept away and drowned. Regretting her action, she dove after them, but only drowned herself. Maria wandered the earth after death in search of her children. This legend was often used as a cautionary tale to warn children not to stay out at night or to play near water alone. La La Llorona will take them. I love this tale, but wasn't sure what it had to do with the chicken my grandma my grandmother started stated that sometimes when you attract spirits you are born with the ability to perceive them I was perplexed but she went on with the story she said that when they were children they lived near water my aunt who my aunt who spoke to the chicken was only an infant my great-grandmother had laid my aunt in her crib which happened to be near a window that faced the water. After a little while my aunt began to cry. My great-grandmother walked into the nursery and froze. A black figure was reaching through the window and reaching for my aunt. My great-grandmother being a devout Catholic began invoking the name of Christ. The figure recoiled from my aunt and out of the window my great grandmother watched the ent- entity walk along the the wall and recede into the water la Llorona had tried to take my aunt like i said this one was a short shorter story very nice still a little like oh that's it like if you were there that would yeah that that's unsettling like to know that you're at least like for the per that person it says it it's like wow this is like this happened this really happened to somebody I know and love. Um So we got two like really a few really long ones. This one is not that long um so once again this one is just co- is called la hierona and in parentheses the crying woman this one is by chamia 40 so let's get into it Ever since me and my older sisters were small children and still lived and lived back in Mexico, our grandpa would tell us the story of La Llorona, when we stayed out at the family ranch. He would tell us that a couple hundred years ago, during the Mexico's independence war against Spain, there was a rich Spanish family that owned the same lands on which the family ranch was located. When the war an anti-Spain sentiment were at their peak, the locals stormed the Spaniard's hacienda. Some of the servants fought valiantly to defend their employers, but others turned against them and when the owner saw that everything was lost, he sacrificed himself by charging the angry locals to allow his wife and three boys to escape into the wilderness and swim across the creek to relative safety. The lady and her children ran as fast as they could and were being followed by some of their former servants looking for blood, but when they reached the creek they saw they were trapped. Bloodthirsty locals were waiting on the other side of the creek and her former servants and employees still on the their trail to tear them apart. Her desperation, exhaustion, and fear got the best of her and only her one primal and frenzied thought filled her mind. They won't suffer. I will not let them suffer. She was snapped out of her frenzy a couple of minutes later by the coldness of the creek's water on her breasts. She saw she saw the horrified looks and heard the outraged gasps of the locals and her former servants and realized then what she had done she had drowned her children in an attempt to shield them from the rage of the murderous mob the sorrow and horror on their little faces drove her mad in an instant and as the mob closed in to end her life those long and horrible blood-curdling cries loaded with sadness and sorrow, and madness filled the night. Ay, mijitos, mijitos, um, ay mijitos. It has been ages since Grandpa told us that, that story and warned us again and again from going near the creek at night especially if you were a child. He would say that on some nights if you really paid attention you could still hear her cries coming from the creek that only children were able to hear. Hear her. I never did hear her though and I am grateful for that. I am 31 now and my grandpa has been dead for about 20 years. I brought my wife and 6 year old son to visit the family ranch for the first time. And it's funny how all these scary things that kept you awake when you were a child kind of slip out of your mind as you grow up. They slip out all right, but they sure come back stronger than ever when you put your son to bed and five minutes later he calls you into the room to tell you that there was a weird lady outside his window looking for her children. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. Wow. Um. Very, very good story. By the way, I'm not like trashing any of these stories because I do believe all of them. I genuinely do because again I live decent I live close to where some of the the this legend is has originated and that is like in New Mexico and in Mexico and stuff like that somewhat originated like there it's like all over the world I have come to find out like one of the stories I'm going to be reading really, um uh reading is from uh, let's go down to the Tld I just wanna um my own Let's read a long story now. Um, so this one is called... Have you ever seen La Llorona? This one is by Maria Sandoval. And I think this one is the... Like, mo. This one is the most recent story. This one's from only four years ago. So back in 2017. Man, 2017, what a year. <laughs> so let's get into it. Have you ever seen La Llorona? A lot of people don't get this about the desert, but it's not the heat that is dangerous. It's the water. You can be playing in the Arroyo on a sunny day Not a cloud in the sky when a rainstorm in the mountains sends your death hurtling towards you faster than you can even react. Flash floods are no joke out here. That's why I always thought La Llorona was such a popular tale for adults to tell children. It kept them away from the water. If you never heard of La Llorona, then you never grew up in a Latino family in the southwest. This story. The story, as it was told in my family, goes something like this. I had to fix my headset. Um, there was once an incredibly beautiful but incredibly poor woman from a small village. This woman attracted the attention of every man in town. But she thought too highly of herself to marry someone local and of low status, so she waited. She waited until a very rich man passed through through town. She conspired to to put herself in front of him. And as she predicted, upon seeing her, he fell in love. The rich man and beautiful woman were soon married and ultimately had two children not long after the rich man became dissatisfied with his wife as she was growing older and less beautiful he left her for another woman one who was younger and richer as the man was leaving his leaving his wife grabbed their two children and drowned them in front in front of him out of revenge when she realized what she had done she was so distraught That she drowned herself as well when she arrived in the afterlife she found that she could not locate her children they hid from her out of fear so she returned to this world to seek them here she walks along the rivers at night wailing and screaming for for her children if she finds little children or rebellious teenagers and the telling of my abuelita. Along the way she captured them and drowned them in the water hoping to exchange them for her own children. I always thought it was a pretty lame story all told but it was a favorite of abuelita abuelitas, everywhere. Gosh I'm so sorry. I know how to pronounce it i promise as children were we uh, as children we would often joke about the weeping woman the ditch the weep about the weeping woman the ditch witch which is by the way the ditch witch is what um i like is one way where like the part of new mexico that I'm from where that's the ditch witch is one thing that um, a lot of people refer to La Llorona as so yeah um, but to the adults around me she was no laughing matter my abuelita would often scold me mija la Llorona is not to be trifled with you'll be sorry someday for your disrespect I didn't believe her at the time what I do now. Like many people, my teenage years were spent in a desperate scramble to be accepted by my peers. I was largely unsuccessful. Same. I'm kidding. I was a good kid though. I just sometimes made poor decisions due to my desire due to my desire to fit in. The poorest decision I ever made was because of Brian Allen, Brian Allen moved to my small town from Washington State. That alone would have made him a desired com- desired commodity, as we didn't get too many new kids. Pair has ex pair his exciting new hit- newness with immaculate blonde hair and, flawless, and a flawless white smile, and most of the girls in my school were instantly smitten. I don't know if I like liked Brian or if it was just the competitive streak that ran in my blood, but I knew as soon as he came through the doors of our tiny school that I had to impress him. I wouldn't do it on my looks. That was certain, but I thought that maybe I could win him over with my adventurous spirit. So I devised a plan. Well, I guess it wasn't so much of a plan as a flimsy excuse to be alone with him. See, what I thought to do was invite Brian on a group hiking trip. One so remote that he'd have no choice but to get to know me. I'd impress him with my knowledge of local flora and fauna and show off my outdoor skills in the process. Boys from the Pacific Northwest liked that kind of thing, right? Oh, and also everyone else in the group would cancel at the last minute. It would be just like me and Brian. It would be just me and Brian. Much to my surprise, Brian accepted my invitation and seemed genuinely excited about the prospect. He'd never been out in the desert, he said, and he would love to go hiking with someone who knew the area. I tamped down the cheering voices in my head and answered with a simple, cool, I'll pick you up Saturday morning. I knew the perfect place to take Brian, a shady little section of the Bosque that transitioned to wide open canyons it was on private property but that never stopped anybody i knew from setting out on it when saturday morning came i could barely contain myself i gassed up my old beat up chevy truck and sped all the way to brian's house he was waiting outside of his door comically overdressed in hiking boots do-rags, a long-sleeved shirt, and a Y brand safari hat. He was confused when he just saw me. I shrugged my shoulders half-heartedly at him and explained the increasingly elaborate excuses for why my companions had not been able to join us. He didn't seem to care though, and gladly hopped in into my truck. Brian was talkative and animated as we drove to our destination. It appeared as if I had guessed right, and he was indeed an outdoorsman of some enthusiasm. He paused his stream of excited conversation as we pulled off the main road onto a rugged trail. Caution, high clearance vehicles only. He stopped speaking entirely when we passed the rusted sign indicating our destination. He began to read it aloud. Uh Cutthroat Canyon Private property Violators will be shot Brian looked at me warily Are you sure we should be here? I grinned at him Well it definitely It'll definitely be exciting Brian made a move to speak again But I was already out of the truck I was Out of the truck I was right about the destination It was perfect Brian's worry began to fade as we walked through the wide strands of cottonwood that, li- that lined the small river. He was downright content as we walked though. Walked through the Palo Verde and Mosquite. and by the time we reached the canyon, he was absolutely elated. This is incredible, Brian shouted at the open wilderness around him. He gave me a bright smile, and I, and I melted a little bit inside. Oh. The day couldn't have been more perfect. Bright blue skies dripped down to meet w- the ultray canyon walls. I can't really. I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, as the day headed in, oh, wait, hold on. I lost my spot. Uh, uh, walls, and though the late August temperature was hot, it was not uncomfortable, so we trundled over, walks as we ex- over rocks as we explored the bottom of the canyon. Brian Wood periodically let out a whoop of surprise and delight at the roadrunners and lizards that darted among the scrubs around us. As the day headed into early afternoon, I began to detect a change in the weather around me. The temperature rose imperceptibly at first, then more blatantly. Dark clouds gathered around the edge of the canyon, turning the blue skies to a foreboding gray. Let's move to higher ground for our walk back, I said, trying my best to sound nonchalant. Brian gra- gratefully agreed, and I could see beads of sweat pulling around his brow as he drank from a nearly empty bottle of water. He wouldn't admit it, but I could tell that he was eager to head back to the air-conditioned truck. We climbed steadily out of the canyon, and from our new vantage point, I could see that the clouds were becoming much bigger, a much bigger deal. Lightning flashed across the distant mountains as a shiver rolled up my skin. We were very near the Bosque when I felt the first of the rain the water fell in cold fat drops few and far between puffs of the of dust rose at our feet where the rain hit the ground and i found myself wishing that i had brought more clothes in the distance i could see a school bus half buried in the desert sand though it was rusted out And falling apart, I would be. It would be serviceable place to wait to wait out the rain. I grabbed Brian's hand and needed the shock of something pleasant. That oh, and ran for the bus, dodging raindrops as we went. We huddled together in a seat towards the back of the bus. I assured Brian that rains faded quickly out here and that there was nothing to worry about. Meanwhile, I tried to ignore the sounds of distant thunder and the increasingly loud roar of water in the canyon. A flood had come and I had serious doubts about our ability to walk out of Cutthroat Canyon. They say that flash floods sound like a freight train rolling through, they say that you are safe on higher ground, in my experience neither one of these things is exactly right. The flood to my ears, at least, sounded more like a tornado, a frantic whirl of noise, commotion, loud, sure, but far less linear than, re- than a train. As for high ground, I can't verify that, that either. It didn't take long for rivulets of water to turn to forceful screams on the tops of the canyon. The bus creaked and groaned as the water washed away dirt from beneath its flat tires. We held on for as long as we could, but eventually we had to leave the bus to wash into the newborn river below us. We were stuck in the rain. The river had become too high to cross back to my truck, and the canyon was impassable, filled nearly to its rim with brown-orange water. We trudged unhappily to the nearest tree, a significant beacon on the mesa and hoped that the lightning wouldn't get us that's where we were when night fell the rain had stopped but the river and the canyon remained swollen forceful berries swollen forceful barriers i hoped that we would be dry enough to sleep through the night without freezing I thought the cold would be our biggest challenge i hadn't i hadn't counted on her brian to his credit had tried his best to remain upbeat his constant stream of conversation though slower than the river still flowed on we bounded over childhood television shows and memories of sleep-away camp. We told stories of our weird families and filled the silence with non- sick quitters. That's probably why I didn't immediately notice when Brian said, Hey, who's that lady? It took me a second to register what he had said. Lady. There shouldn't be a lady out here. My eyes followed his outstretched arm to the particular place where he was pointing I saw her then La Llorona she stopped completely she stood completely still next to the water not even her long white gown moved in the wind from a distance probably close to 50 yards I could make out the deep the details but I knew that I knew it was I knew it was her she was wrapped from head to toe in white, and cut an imposing figure. Uh, an imposing fi, imposing figure. Dark hair framed her pale face. A long neck led a long neck led to an immaculate emaciated body. She'll fall into the river. Brian, river! Brian shouted and bolted up from his position on the ground. I reached out to grab him to pull him back to safety, but he was already running towards her. I followed against every instinct, screaming in my body. La Llorona had her spindly arms outstretched, and as I moved closer I could see her more clearly. She was beautiful, her eyes were large and dark, comforting eyes, set into a pale, placid face. Her lips were full and red and unsmiling. She parted them slowly as a voice escaped them thin and battered like reeds in a storm. Mihito Venami Mihito I knew Brian could not understand the words, but still he moved towards her. I shouted to him, to stop, to come back. But he was focused on no one but her. I put my hand on his shoulder, and he shook it away. Not even turning to look at me, the reedy voice continued, "See, sí, see, sí, mi hijito. Then she began to wail. I stopped in my tracks, daring not to, go, daring to go no further as Brian moved trance-like towards her. When he at last stood face to face with La Llorona, she tilted her head to look at him. A frail hand cupped his face and she smiled sadly. She moved closer, kissed his forehead, much the way a mother would, all while wrapping her hands around his neck. I never heard Brian scream, never saw him resist. He slumped limply against La Llorona's hands while she kissed each one of his bloodless cheeks with the grace of a dancer. She flung Brian's listless body into the torrent below. I could hear him splash in the water. I thought just for a second that I could hear him gasp for air. I am ashamed to say that I ran as hard as I could into the desert and away from the water. I ran until my feet bled, my lungs seared with pain i collapsed under the mesquite tree and slept fitfully until the first light of morning the flood had died down the next day but i didn't see brian's body in its empty tre- trenches they would find it they wouldn't find it for weeks despite the water only flowing in one direction he'd eventually wind up in a culvent, culvert mi- miles down the rio grande i told the authorities that he had drowned the flash flood had caught us both off guard. I don't know if his parents blamed me, but at his funeral they wouldn't look at me. No one would. People in the in town seemed to believe that I was responsible. But I know the truth. La Yerona took Brian. She took him as a bargaining chip in the in a deal that would never be made. Huh Okay. Once again, I do believe that story. So, yeah, we, uh, this, uh, whew, I, I'm r- really, really enjoying these stories. Um, they're all pretty good. Um, they're actually all really good. Um. So I, which one did I just read? I just read this one, the one. All right, so let's check off which ones I've read. So the, don't look for her, pretend you never saw her. Great story. This one, uh, just La Llorona. Um, I think this was... Do Yep. Um I read this one and read this one. And I just read this one. So I think I have I have Two stories left for today's episode. Um So yeah, let's get in to one of the last one of the last two stories that I have to. Know. um so this <laughs> this next story is uh, once again just la yerona um and it is by Darth Gatormane And yeah, so this is La Llorona by Darth Gatorman. Hey everyone, I've been following R no sleep for a couple of weeks now, and I I enjoy reading about your mysterious and creepy stories. I wanted to share, I wanted to share a story about one such instance of an apparition known to South Texas as La Llorona. The Rio Grande Valley region of South Texas is or is at or below sea level in most areas in order to maintain in order to maintain drainage during the flash flood season there are canals and levees all over the place. Back when I was a kid growing up in South Texas, about 10 years old or so, I used to spend the night at my grandma's house every weekend. She lived next to a large canal that would usually fill up with water after a good rainstorm. My cousins and I used to have adventures all around the canal as well as my grandma's house, and we loved to sit around on late nights with my youngest aunt, who was only about 8 years older than us, and tell stories. One particular night, she decided to share the story of La Llorona, or the crying woman. I would not realize until later that this is one of those stories that would have more truth than fiction behind it. The story is about an abused mother of three whose husband was a violent drunk. She too lived by a canal. A few nights after a particularly abusive argument with her husband, she managed to sneak her and her children out in the light of the full moon down to the canal. She then proceeded to drown her children one by one in front in in it from the oldest to youngest. After she finished with the last one, upon seeing upon seeing the look on the on her youngest child's face, she immediately began to regret her decision. So much so, she committed suicide. At this point, The story was too scary for me and I asked my aunt to stop telling. I know, I know, I was a kid and being that my grandma lived in a remote area next to a frickin' canal, so I had heard about enough similarities between us and the stories setting that I could handle for one night. Couple of months had passed since I had last spent the night at grandma's house, at grandma's and I had not forgotten about La Llorona, so I decided I would go over and maybe try to get the rest of the story from my aunt. When I got there, though, I found out that she was going to be out late that night, and that she wouldn't be able to continue the story. This was before cell phones, so since my mother had driven me all the way to to Grandma's house out in the rural area of the country without knowing that my aunt wasn't going to be home without knowing that my aunt wasn't going to be home but i decided to stay anyways it had been raining all day so the canal was full of rainwater. it also happened to be full be a full moon that night all was well though through bedtime i usually slept on the living room couch at the front of the house which was not more than a 100 yards from the road that tees off to my grandma's driveway and also leads up from the canal to the town. Think of the horizontal line of the letter T as being the road and the vertical line part of the T as being my grandmother's driveway. Late that night, I was awakened by something I could only faintly distinguish as sobbing. I laid on the couch with my my sheets up under my chin and looked at the clock nearby. It was three in the morning, on the dot. As I lay motionless on the couch, I could hear it clearer and clearer. I could tell that whatever was making the sound It was walking along the road coming from the canal towards the town the closer it got the more I began to distinguish this not as a wailing type of crying but more of what I could only describe more of what I could only describe as a sad type of crying I say sad because I could hear could honestly feel myself starting to feel compassion for whatever whatever was crying out there. I shit you not, like if it was my mother out there. The only reason that I was able to resist the urge to go out and try to comfort her right then and there was the extreme cold that had fallen across the room all of a sudden. I forced myself to close the eyes and think happy thoughts. So after a few minutes later, I was, it was gone. I was scared beyond belief, and the more I thought about the feeling of compassion I had just felt, the more creeped out I began to feel. I thought of this for what seemed like forever, when slowly I began to hear the crying off in the distance, this time it was coming from the town heading towards the canal. It was the same thing as before, and the closer it got, the more clearly I could hear it. A few minutes after I not only heard it, but felt it past my grandma's house, I was able to muster up enough courage to take a peek out the front front window. A dense fog had come over the entire neighborhood, and all I could see was was shadowy figure in a long flowing dress, with long raggedy hair walking towards the canal. I could see a bluish light coming from the canal which was the only reason I could make out the silhouette of this woman. Suffice to say I could not force myself to go to sleep so I tried to stay awake until dawn. The next day I woke up after apparently dozing off while trying to stay awake the night before. Grandma was cooking breakfast and my aunt had finally arrived after being out The night before i decided i that i would ask my aunt the rest of the story of la llorona it continues like this ever since committing suicide whenever there was a full moon just like on the night when the woman killed her children before killing herself this woman's apparition was said to haunt the canals around south texas cursed by the devil to roam the areas around the canals to look for her children. Upon seeing a child, she was said to transform into a beautiful woman in a floating white gown. She would gain the child's trust and lead him to the canal in order to get him to jump in the water. She would then pull the child underwater and cause him to drown. Anyway, this this supposedly would have happened to me I had gone out at the time that I heard her since then I avoid canals at night at night you should too yeah yeah avoid canals y'all don't 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 go out and be like oh I'm gonna go swimming in a canal in the middle of the night not not a good thing like at all don't like like it yeah bad things can happen and that's just an example like you could be caught by something but who knows like I I definitely believe in this because it's something that I've been told for years about like the legend of la llorona and the stories i've heard over the years and stuff like that and just reading a lot of these stories today i'm like i'm starting to be like oh this is you like i know this is real but this is even more real than i fully fully anticipated like yeah so we do have one last story to read today Um, unfortunately, the person who wrote it, their Reddit account has been deleted, so I don't know who wrote it, I really wish I did, because I do really want to give them credit. Um, as you know, I don't, like, I always give the authors credit to their stories, because if I don't, that is technically, that is plagiarism, and plagiarism is illegal. So, yeah. Um, Let's get into it. Alrighty. So this last story is La Llorona of Punta Negra. And like I said, unfortunately, the person who originally posted this story, their account has been deleted, so I can unfortunately, cannot give um. Yeah. Uh credit there. That's where. Um, so let's do this. So Um, seeing as I have read the context of all of the stories and I have reiterated this legend a few times, I think, yeah, I'm still going to read the context of this one so that it says context optional. La Llorona is a common urban legend known in all Spanish-speaking of Spanish-speaking America and parts of the States. Basically, she is a woman who once loved a man, but when she was refused by him, she decided it was because she had children. The stories go: the story goes that she quietly took her two very young children to an irrigation ditch to play in the water, then calmly took them deeper and deeper in, and quietly held their hand, their heads under until the ripples and thrashes stopped. She ran, soaked and disheveled to the man and confessed thinking he would agree to marry her finally her finally he said no he panicked he panicked he struck her and threw her out on her way back to her small house she passed the ditch saw her drowned children and lost the last shred of her sanity she flung herself into the water and let herself drown. Now if you believe she wanders lakes, and sh- lake streams, irrigation ditches, and beaches. Any water calling out for her children. If she finds a young person she will approach them and upon realizing they are not hers will attack crying in rage. ends loss and drown the individual. Her tears never stop flowing and thus she is called the crying woman La Llorona. I thought that was a legend, but when I moved to Lima, Peru my mother brought bought a brief Bought a beach house in a private beach called Punta Negra, so-called for its impressive black rocks jutting up into the Pacific fog, and its many large black crabs. Ooh, that actually sounds really Most families in Peru with decent income are members of country clubs, have beach houses, and so forth, so the beach was occupied by older people and their visiting relatives. This is why I was surprised to see some teenagers diving from some taller rocks into a small canal where the water is turbulent without supervision when I was sitting outside my house with my mother. We were saying how they were going to get hurt and how typical it was for these teens to be acting stupid in front of the the one girl present. I went back inside after one jumped again. The next day, we, my mother, my brother, and I had to leave because the beach was closed due to an accident. A boy of about 17 years had drowned when he hit when a rock hit when he hit a rock head first diving in in the canal the previous day. I was shocked of course because I probably had seen him jump and just left. When the beach reopened the three of us went back for the rest of the week but I was uneasy. I was eleven or twelve at the time, but found myself crying myself to sleep each each night. I was there, feeling sad, hopeless, and all around pathetic. It wore off during the day, so while some cousins and a military friend were chatting with my mother, I went for a swim. Suddenly it all went black. I only felt sharp pain all over my legs and face and salt in my mouth. I came to being carried out by the military guy. My mother, not a frantic person, explained that the waves had gotten suddenly fierce and I had been slammed into one of the rocks which was covered in razor sharp muscles. Luckily, the salt water all around had prevented scarring from the jagged cuts. At this point, I started to feel not only depressed during the night, but at all hours as I was at the beach. I also began feeling terrified for no reason. The only place I felt safe was in the pa- was in the patio space behind the house, which was also the only place in my house without a view of the ocean. My family also began noticing odd things, especially my mother, who believe who I believed may be a practicing druid. My mother was staying one weekend with her friend at the house, and all the large windows in the master bedroom opened without a wind, without a wind. An enormous black former got in. My mother hates birds, so this shook her. My brother also suffered. He was 14 or 15 and more than once got into his bed only f- to find those large crabs and cockroaches infesting his sheets. He hates anything resembling a spider, so I'm sure the crabs gave him a small heart attack. As the summer came to a close, we decided not to use the beach house in the next summer, but my father had arrived from his tour of duty, and instead we use it, and insisted we use it, and stay for the entire summer, which in that area is about two months. I protested heavily, but to no avail. It seemed that while everyone's fears were coming true, With my mother almost losing me and the bird and the creatures in my brother's bed, I was the only one who felt powerful pain while being there. Now that I was forced to be by the beach at all times, I started noticing frequent visitors, such as our cousins who had a house to our left and an old couple who owned a nearby villa. I also noticed a woman, Mm. (laughs) middle-aged. I lost my place. Um no, I also noticed a woman middle-aged who never seemed to go into any house in particular she did stop by a couple houses every other week or so but she ambled slowly or by our house every day and looked into my bedroom window as she did it was those eyes dark soulless and distorted by the tears ever present ever present she wore traditional Peruvian garb which was odd because she didn't she did not look like an indigenous person as most people in Peru with that apparel were she was actually very beautiful with light skin another another rarity and a frail appearance she was also tall for a Peruvian woman standing at about 180 centimeters about 5 feet 9 inches she both fascinated and enthralled me but my brother only found her to be weird for peering for peeping he called her the the puta negra or I'm not gonna say that I'm not gonna say that in reference to the beach and seemed not to find her attractive at all. She was the only thing by the sea that did not make me feel sick. But then I started dreaming. I'm not a very peaceful sleeper. I have constant nightmares and once, when I was taking pills to prevent malaria, my dreams took took on a horror I still block out. Though, if I want, I could remember them. Clearly, the dreams at Punta Negra were hundreds of times worse, filled with water, darkness, icy cold, salty brine, and the sound of crying. I woke every day, wanting to just jump into the ocean and die. Near the end of the summer, my family had to go back to Lima for a day to restock on groceries to bring back. I was too numb. side to go with them or even leave my bed so i ended up alone in the house i spent my time <sighs> i spent my time breathing slowly and trying to feel happy but i could only cry silently i took that pause real right there because i thought i heard something behind me again and if you didn't listen to the last episode which was on the Wendigo, the same thing happened. There was a point where I was reading one of the stories, and I thought I heard something behind me, and I turned and looked, and there was nothing, nothing, and everybody is downstairs right now, my brothers are doing schoolwork, my dad is working, like, for his job, so I'm nobody is making a sound and I thought I heard something behind me I love it (laughs) but at the same time I don't Uh, about 30 minutes into my little moment I heard the sliding door at the front of the house open and slam closed as one might do if they were kicking it shut due to their armloads of groceries, I was motivated enough to get up and go to the kitchen to help. but it wasn't my parents or brother; it was the woman, but it was not the woman. She was dressed as usual and with the same eyes tear-stricken but tear-stricken but the similarities ended there. I immediately noticed her size was about was a now at around 150 centimeters less than five feet and her old shriveled face her clothes were faded and wet as if they had been hand-washed in salty water many times I made to run to the patio but she moved like a wave and took me by the wrist her hand was so cold that I went into shock for a second I was suddenly in the water I was in the canal between the two enormous rocks laden with sharp black muscles and crawling with crabs i tried fiercely to escape but i was also buried in the sand up to my thighs and caught in a surge in those moments and caught in a surge, in those moments i experienced perfect clarity on the situation the boy before had been pulled under by the woman taken up In the surges of the canal, and beaten by the rocks, a natural death trap. Natural death trap. Natural, a natural death trap. It was the woman who had tortured me, and and induced tears, who had terrorized my family, and who previously had flung me into the waves to be into the rocks now there was no escape I admit that I let myself be overcome in that instant I gave I gave up and my tears stopped flowing before I let go and all faded to black I had her had her beautiful image in my eyes I woke up in Lima in my bed in my room in my normal house. My mother was with me and calmly explained that she had wrestled me from an old woman who was keeping my head down in the water in the canal and pulled me up from the sand. We never went back to that house or the beach, not as a family, but in my last few weeks in Lima, before I moved in June of this year, I bumped a ride off of a friend with a house there, and in the winter, chill and drizzle. I walked right to the water's edge. I could hear her crying, but I was not afraid. I looked behind me into the fog, and I saw her. La Llorona, clad in soaked traditional clothing, crying and making and making her way not towards me, but towards the adolescent boys playing soccer loudly on the sand, disturbing church bells ring from a nearby slum. I knew she had moved on, and so had I. Once again, I don't really like, I enjoy these stories and stuff like that. And sometimes they are spooky enough to get me to look behind myself to double check if there's something there. Because sometimes I hear something here and there in my room and it's just like, oh, spooky. But this time it was like, oh! Spooky Like E just like with the Windigo Just like with the Windigo Man windigos what a what 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 a thing like wow so Alrighty guys so that was the episode on La Hirona um if you want to go check out the um legend that i had read off at first um i that just go to legendsofamerica.com slash gh dash la slash um but yeah so that's gonna that's gonna be it for today's episode guys once again this was i'm i was your i'm your host william this was spooky hours and be looking for. I'm gonna try my best to start getting a few more episodes out in a few a uh, few episodes out in a few weeks. Um, it all depends on what's been, what goes on with work and stuff. So um, I will let all of you know. I will be posting about it on the Instagram, which is Doobie do we If you go on to Instagram and follow spooky underscore hours underscore podcast. That is the... That is where I will let... That's where I let everybody know when I am posting a new episode. Also, we have an email now. I have an email now for it. Um, if you go into... If you feel free to email me with story ideas um, uh, the email is spookyhourspodcast at gmail.com once again that is spookyhourspodcast at gmail.com no capitalization in any of that alrighty well I hope you guys all have a wonderful wonderful day and thank you and goodbye